podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello everyone, Rival Recon here on Anfield Index Pro. I'm Harry Sethi. They don't get much bigger, much more blockbuster, much more heavyweight than this. Sunday's game against Manchester City might not prove to be decisive in terms of the 90 minutes, but from now on, until the final whistle, it may as well feel that way. So the two best club sides in the world go head-to-head this weekend with a point separating them as they grapple for a firmer grip on the Premier League title. Win and Liverpool's destiny is in their own hands. Win and glory is just seven games and 21 points away. So no pressure, Redman. On the pod this week, to help us gain a better insight into just how City fans view this latest incarnation of Guardiola's side, how the season's unfolded so far, and how they're feeling ahead of this Sunday's huge clash at the Etihad, we welcome back content editor for OneFootball and contributor to the Blue Moon podcast, Dan Burke. Welcome back, Dan. Hello, hello. Good to speak with you, uh, as always. Um, we're just chatting ahead of me hitting record on just uh, the nerves that slowly sort of rack, build themselves up ahead of this game and you know, at different stages throughout the season and in past seasons as well. It's, you know, this game has sort of flitted in and out of being, you know, as relevant as it feels like it will be this this weekend, given how close the teams are in the table at the moment. Um, but before we get to any of that and to sort of maybe having a broader look at the season, I know when I last had you on ahead of the previous game at Anfield, we were speaking about your your sort of expectations um, of the season um, and sort of what you what you're hoping for from this particular city city squad and this this incarnation from Guardiola. I suppose that's an interesting place to start in terms of what your expectations were at the start of the season and then how they've evolved as you've seen this side um, evolve this season. Yeah, it's been a funny season, really. I mean, there was a point where um, it wasn't looking too great for us, uh, a very brief period at least. I remember we lost uh, we lost 2-0 at home to Crystal Palace at the end of October. Yeah, uh, That was a, a day when I thought, maybe we're not going to be good enough to win the league this season. Um, and I remember coming out, I was at the, actually at the Etihad, uh, one of my rare appearances when I make it over to Manchester mm. that day. I came out of the game and I saw on the, the TV screens on the concourse that Liverpool had drawn 2-2 with Brighton the same day. Oh, yeah. So that was a little bit like, oh, okay, uh, we've dropped points, but so have they. So maybe it's not, not such a, a lost cause after all. But but after that game, we went on a big, big long run of, of picking up results. Uh, we went unbeaten for uh, quite a long time until we lost uh, we lost at home to Spurs a few weeks ago. And there was a point, you know, around Christmas time when it looked like City had really pulled away from from the contenders and were were streaking away at the top of the league, and it looked like the league was in the bag. I I never truly believed that we'd we'd won it, but there was a, there was a part of me that that thought we probably had won it, and we probably did have it in the bag, and we didn't have an awful lot to worry about. The main reason being that I didn't think Liverpool were going to put a, put together a run of results like they have done. I, I assumed Liverpool would would drop a few points uh, at some point in in the start of 2022, and that and that hasn't happened so far. And you've you know, our results haven't been too bad at all, really. We we lost that game at Spurs, as I mentioned. We drew uh, away at Southampton. We drew at home. To, we drew away at Crystal Palace. Sorry, and those pretty minor amount of drop points, as as mm. combined with Liverpool's winning run, has, has led to a situation whereby we're going into this weekend's game with just one point separating the two teams, and suddenly that that league that was in the bag uh, around Christmas time is is very uh, precarious now there's a lot of jeopardy around that and this this weekend's game will no doubt have a big say in in who ends up winning the title uh the fact that we're also competing on on other fronts is is good you know we could still technically win the treble uh, if everything goes right i don't see that happening personally i think uh, we're going to drop at least one trophy along the way um which one it is, I don't know yet. But to be in contention for three trophies at this point in the season is is 
it's great, really. It would be it'd be even better if we were, if if we'd uh, done what you've done and, and won the the League Cup and, and would be in contention for four trophies. We've been in that position <laughs> a couple of times before and never never quite made it over the line with the quadruple as nobody ever has. And it'll be interesting to see if Liverpool can do that this season. But yeah, I think uh, at this point in the in the year it's uh, early April and um, we're in contention for three trophies. You'd have to say it's been a very good season for City so far. It could end up being a a spectacular season or it could end up being a a bit of a, a washout if we if we win nothing. But everything's up in the air and. I'm quite excited about what's to come. Let's uh, let's let's embrace the chaos. Exactly. Yeah, and no, I think it's uh, it's it's interesting to hear those who make a lot of the whole you know treble or quadruple, and I think it's 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 you probably would expect it, but I've enjoyed that Klopp has basically been saying, "Well, no, you know, it do, it doesn't happen, and there's a reason why it doesn't happen because you need everything to go perfectly, and the schedule you know makes it almost impossible." So. I mean, I've, I've, I've been on some very bullish podcasts where, you know, <laughs> after, after big wins, you come out and go, yeah, come on. <laughs> of course, it's going to be the quadruple <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. But, um, I'm sure, yeah, as you were saying, it's just, yeah, it's like wins like that are so incredibly difficult to pull off. That's, that's, it's, it's the reason why they don't happen so often. So I'm enjoying that it's mathematically, um, and sort of technically still possible because it does feel for many, Many seasons uh, when, when, when Liverpool's squad hasn't been as as strong as it currently feels, and, and I'm sure we'll get onto that. Um, that yeah, we've we've had to throw one or two competitions um, by the wayside a little bit when, and, and play some of the younger players and things like that. So it's yeah, it's interesting that, that both sides find themselves in with a chance to win a huge sort of trophy haul by the end of the season as well. And I, I suppose the reason why I started on expectations, and you, you were talking about the consistency there. Um, and uh, you mentioned that that uh, that sticky patch, and I'm just looking at this this uh, fixture list in front of me. Huge swaths of green, <laughs> sort yeah. of W by yeah. by both sides here, and a couple of sort of dots of red. Um, where I'm sure, if I went back, people lost their minds around those dots of red. Um, whenever it happened. Um, but I, th- I think yeah, just to prove the point, I think it's one loss in their last 21 games in all competitions for Liverpool, and one loss in the last 22 for Man City, for example. Yeah. So. It's it's ridiculous levels of consistency from these two sides, and um, I think yeah we'll, we'll definitely come on to talk about sort of how Liverpool have managed to iron things out a little bit because there was definitely a point in the season where I felt this side wasn't really built to win a league title because they never really had control on games in the way in which they've managed to get get a grip of in the last mm. few weeks, um, largely because Thiago has been fit and Van Dijk's back seemingly to his to his best but the reason why I wanted to start with expectations was I'm I'm interested in your opinion and sort of city fans that you've spoken to just around where you guys rate this this current incarnation of city really against sort of Guardia's previous you know, incarnations the teams you've had beforehand under him uh, and it's an interesting one for me because I feel like there are Liverpool fans at the moment who are looking at this Liverpool squad actually this incarnation of of Klopp's Liverpool and, and they probably I think more than more than most are actually saying, yeah, this is probably the best actually that he's had. Whether or not they end up winning, you know, things or whatever. So, mm. yeah, how do you how do you rate this current incarnation? Because it's, it's a slightly different side with, with, I suppose, without you know some of those talismans you've had in the past. Yeah, it's an interesting one because I would say that the sort of peak Guardiola team uh, when it, in his time at City has been the, the the one that won the league in in eighteen nineteen when we picked Liverpool to to it by one point yeah, and yeah. we got we got ninety eight points, you got ninety seven points, and and you know that it, it's it's a it's a kind of similar season, but I don't think we're quite as good uh, now as we were back then mainly because we had Sergio Aguero up front who was an incredible striker as everybody knows and one of those players who could who could turn uh, nothing into a goal and we don't really have an awful lot of players like that we don't have a number 9 at the moment which has not been a huge problem for us so far and it's a, it's a problem that hopefully will be finally addressed in the summer but it does worry you sometimes that you do kind of wonder, despite the fact that we do score quite a lot of goals you, you do sometimes wonder when we play against teams with a low block or... Um, teams who are just going to defend well where our goals are going to come from. That was the case when we played Crystal Palace a few weeks ago where we did miss a fair few chances but just couldn't couldn't get the ball in the net ultimately and you do wonder if we'd signed Harry Kane last summer or, or Erling Haaland or someone like that if that would turn this a, a result like that uh, into a win. Um, but, you know, for all intents and purposes, City are a very, very good side. We, we have mastered the art of playing without a striker in many ways and we have some incredibly talented players who are who have had really good seasons. We play some lovely football at times and 
I do understand why people think that City can be a little bit boring to watch sometimes. You know, watching us pass teams to death isn't very entertaining for the neutral and isn't very entertaining for City fans sometimes, to be perfectly honest. But uh, there are games when we come up against big teams like Liverpool, good teams, uh, where we can hold our own against them, more than hold our own. And and that's always good to see. Um, and we can adapt to playing teams like Burnley, like we did at the weekend as well, and, and, and beat those sort of teams. So... It's a very good side with a very good manager and we've got a lot to uh, be feeling confident about heading into the, the end of the season. But there is still that niggling doubt that maybe if we if we had a striker, um, things would be a little bit more, uh, had gone a little bit smoother for us this season. The other thing that does concern us somewhat is that we don't have a great deal of depth in certain areas um, which probably sounds a bit preposterous given the, the amount of money that we've spent on our squad. But, mm. you know, we've got Rodri uh, as the holding midfield player and the backup to him is Fernandinho, who has been a fantastic servant to us and a, and a great player for us over the years, but he's showing his age a bit this season and, yeah. uh, and has really seen better days. And I've been worrying all season what would happen if Rodri got an injury, uh, because I think he's so crucial to us. Jao Cancelo is another really crucial player to us that uh, if he were to get injured for any length of time, we would we would have a big problem on our hands because we've we've basically got three fullbacks for uh, a position where you'd you'd ideally like two for each each side. And Zinchenko doesn't play an awful lot, so it's mainly just just Cancelo and Walker. And Cancelo has been outstanding for us this season again, and been one of our best players. And yeah, you do you do worry sometimes whether that lack of depth might catch up with us. And, and, and if anything's going to pre- prevent us from from winning three trophies this season, it's going to be that. But it could well pre- prevent us from winning any trophies. That's that's the worry. And I compare that to Liverpool, and and, and Liverpool haven't spent as much as, as City on their team. Um, but I do think you have a bit better depth than us in, in a lot of areas you know you've got you've got four quality forward players you've got uh decent options in, in fullback areas you've got decent options in midfield i think when you put the two squads on paper i think liverpool do actually have the deeper of the two squads weirdly enough so that would be my my worry about this team and, and the thing that perhaps holds me back from saying that they are the greatest incarnation of of i've got of guardiola's tenure but mm. uh you know if we go on to win the treble then it's going to be hard to hard to make that argument so we'll see yeah, no, it's just, it's just an interesting one because you you see these sides breaking records and doing doing crazy things, and then then you look at them, and then certainly when I look at the city side as well, I mean it's there are stars there for sure, mm. um, and I, I think when I look at it right now, probably the ones I'd pick out would be yeah, Cancelo, like you mentioned, De Bruyne are still capable of doing um, the incredible Foden, like and his increasing influence on the side as well, um, and then maybe one of the defenders in terms of sort of ha- having that ability as well. Bernardo Silva has that has that from time to time, but I I I, I just don't think he's maybe as as present uh, or as uh, has as high a ceiling as a couple of those other ones. But mm-hmm. yeah, compared to city teams of the past, you're you're right. There are some real real big talismans there that you that you could think of, and even when you were mentioning Aguero, I was thinking of. You know the likes of David Silva as well in the mm. past, and you know, company and some of those bigger figures in the side. Who, it's weird. It's almost like you've got players who are doing the same roles and actually performing at a really, really high level, but they because they because they're not the names or they don't quite have the personalities or whatever. Um, it feels as though they're you know perhaps not the same level of player, but actually they are doing you know <laughs> they're performing at that same level as well. So, mm. and I was looking at the lineup actually because I think uh, you mentioned sort of that. You know, lack of a, a number nine, and I'm sure people really enjoyed the, uh, I mean, the, the Tottenham City game just so they get to sort of <laughs> make that point relentlessly over and over. Yeah. And, and Harry Kane certainly inserted himself into a lot of columns throughout the evening. Um, but I, I was struck by when when City came to Liverpool, um, the decision to play with Grealish as a false nine almost in that game, which was kind of an interesting one, which I don't think particularly I didn't. I, I didn't think it particularly worked that well on the day, um, but I, I just wanted to ask you sort of what you what you thought of the of that game because I thought City played very very well in that game for large stretches. Obviously, I think that that was a that was a game where Liverpool had Milner instead of Trent at right back, mm. which was uh, yeah. had a, ver- a few very hairy moments, uh, which I would I would definitely admit he was lucky to get away with. Um, <laughs> and yeah, there was no Thiago in midfield, I suppose as well. Uh, there was no Luis Diaz at, at that point as well, which is a luxury, but. Um, yeah, the Milner at right back was 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 the thing that I, did, I thoroughly didn't enjoy. But um, yeah, what did you make of that game and sort of how how Guardiola approached Liverpool? Because he's had different ways of of dealing with that sort of um that that task of going to Anfield in the past. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I think the main reason that uh, that that Grealish played as the false nine that day was because Milner was right back and he wanted to have have Foden running at Milner. Exactly. And, and, uh, <laughs> he gave him a pretty torrid time, and and yeah, it, it was it was an interesting game because I felt like in many ways we kind of we kind of shed that l- little inferiority complex that we that we've had at Anfield over the years. You know, it's been a horrible ground for us to visit. We've we've had, you know some awful games there and a really awful record there. And I don't even really count the one that we won during the pandemic season. Uh, cause, cause I think the crowd at Anfield that always has such an influence on city that to beat Liverpool there without fans almost felt like it didn't really count. Um, so to go there earlier this season and play, play well, start the game really well. And, you know, I thought we were by far the better team in the first half and, and probably should have had a couple of goals. And it was a bit frustrating to go in, to go in at nil-nil. Mm-hmm. And then Liverpool organised themselves a bit better in the dressing room at half-time, I think, and came out and, and started the, the second half really well. Salah scores that incredible goal, and you're thinking, oh, God, here we go again, another another Anfield nightmare. To then get back into the game with Foden equalising, then to go behind again, and then get back into the game. I thought City showed a lot of character that day, which, you know, like I said, we've not seen that at Anfield uh, too mm-hmm. often, and, and, and that was quite encouraging. Um so in the end, I was I was kind of happy with the draw, but there was still a sense that it was a bit of a missed opportunity. And and yeah, I don't think Paul Tierney, the referee, had a very good game that day, to be perfectly honest with you. So yes, delighted uh, he's got a second chance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. he, he's the VAR this weekend. He, he is, yes, yeah, yeah. So good, Paul. Yeah. I know, I know, Klopp's had words with him this season as well. So uh, I had, we, yes, he is. Yeah, we, yeah. We, we, we're united in our dislike. Of that <laughs> anything, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it, it was a it was a, a good and encouraging performance in some ways, a little disappointing in other ways. But uh, yeah, I, th- I feel like maybe we're we're getting to grips with mm. playing Anfield a little bit better if, at the very least. Yeah, I, I agree on that. Especially sort of, I think you look at certain players as well, and I think that the, I mean, <clears throat> so much has been spoken about him, and I think we'll, we'll definitely come on to talk about him more around how his season's been. But you could certainly see the likes of Foden, you know, on that mm. on that day, absolutely. Yeah, he's, he's he doesn't have those scars in the past. Um, of sort of those 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 difficult uh, well not many of those difficult um, evenings at Anfield and showed absolutely no sort of um, uh, like tendency to sort of shrink in that atmosphere as well as we've seen other mm. players do in the past. I know Sterling's always had a, had a hard time there. Aguero had that sort of weird record there as yeah. as well. It's just complete inability to score at Anfield, which was ridiculous given his. Given his records elsewhere, but there, there do seem to be a couple of players in that side now who they're unaffected by um, some of those hoodoos that have existed in the past. And uh, actually, I thought it was an interesting game as well because for me, the, the issue with Liverpool this season and why I was sort of doubting whether they could be uh, a league-winning side was because there, there were there were too many games that they were getting involved with. Certainly in the first half of the season, where Yes, they could blow, they could blow their way into like a two, three nil lead or whatever. Salah was on incredible form, as were some of the others as well. Um, but then they never really grabbed a whole, unless a side just got dispirited and stopped trying. Um, mm. they didn't necessarily control games on the ball, uh, that, that well. Um, and especially when they were dealing with a side like City who so strong in midfield and are going to assert themselves on you. Um, I thought that was a good example at Anfield where, you have Henderson there, you have Fabinho, uh, but you're probably just missing one, uh, whether it be Cater, whether it be Thiago, to actually um, you know, help you know, tick things over, um, not you know, not get too panicked when the, sort of, mm-hmm. uh, the press comes in. And that's been the issue this season. I think back to that Chelsea game as well, where you're 2-0 up and then you, you can't hold on to things. Um, yeah, it, it seemed to be that that was the way. So really, I mean, for me with with this game this weekend, the one thing I've been looking forward to, regardless of what this game would have meant, was I just I just want I just wanted Thiago, Fabinho, and whoever it might be, Kato or Hend- I reckon it'll be Henderson. Mm. Um, uh, just all of them fully fit, everyone fully fit on both sides, and then just yeah, go at it and see what happens. I, th- yeah. I think that's always what you want, right? And uh, Good to see Trent, that Trent's uh, back as well. Um, yeah. In terms of the season and, and, and how it's gone, then I mean, we spoke a little bit about Foden there, but I just wanted to know, are there key players who've emerged throughout the season um, as sort of real leaders or focal points in the side, or are there players who've even sort of reasserted themselves? And I think this season I've been struck, um, looking from the outside in, by Foden a lot, uh, by Mares. Uh, a great deal as well. It seemed in the early half of the season, Bernardo Silva was 
sort of turning back the clock a little bit to some of his his, his best work. And then of late, it looks like De Bruyne is uh, is now fully fit and um, yeah, gliding to the pitch. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say all of those. Uh, I would add Rodri to the list as well. I mentioned him a bit earlier. He was he was having some monstrous performances in the early start of the season, yeah, really yeah. dominating midfields, really really superb. He has dipped a little bit in recent weeks. Um, I think the demands of the season have just caught up with him a little bit. You know, he plays pretty much every game for for City and plays for Spain quite a lot as well these days as well. So I think he's uh, he's just it's just affected him a little bit, but he's still, he's still been pretty consistent and pretty good. And, and yeah, the ones you mentioned as well, um, uh, Bernardo Silva, what's interesting about him is that he, he wanted to leave city last summer because, uh, I think the pandemic had been quite hard on him. You know, he's from Lisbon living mm-hmm. in Manchester and it's raining all the time. And I think it, it just affected him mentally a little bit, not being able to see his family and friends a little bit. And I think he would have been quite happy for a, a move to Spain, but for some reason just never materialised last season, uh, last summer. None of the big Spanish clubs came in, to, in for him and he, he ended up staying at City. And for a lot of players, you know, they they might uh, use that as an excuse to, to kind of sulk a little bit and, and go into the shell, but he's just come out and had his best season as a City player so far. He's been absolutely superb. Um, a little bit inconsistent at times. That There are times when he, he, he sort of ebbs and flows and sometimes he's brilliant, sometimes he's, he can be a little bit quiet, but... Uh, at the moment, we're seeing him. We're seeing him on a, a bit of an upward trajectory again, which is good. And, and Mara's is another one who's who's been outstanding for us. I think he, I think he's our top scorer, um, if I'm not mistaken. I think he's got over 20 goals in all competitions now, um, which has, has really helped with with that lack of a, a number nine chipping in with goals. Sterling is a player who, again, around January time, there was looking like he might be leaving. There was some talk that he might be attracting the interest of Barcelona and wasn't getting a game for City. There was some talk that he'd, he'd fell out with Guardiola and he's back in the picture now and he's, he's starting games quite regularly and playing really well again. So he's been really good. And De Bruyne, he uh, ended the season last season on a, on a really sad note when he, he had to go off injured in the Champions League final. Um, then he, he got injured playing for Belgium at the Euros and he started the season really, really poorly. Um, that Crystal Palace game I mentioned earlier, I remember him getting taken off in that game and I was delighted that he'd been taken off, which is something I never thought I would say about Kevin De Bruyne because he's been such a consistent, brilliant player for us. But he was just not in form at all. And I was almost starting to think, have we seen the best of Kevin De Bruyne? You know, he's 30 now. He's, his best days are behind him. As, mm-hmm. as he, is he over his peak now? And he's come back in recent weeks and been really good again. When we beat United a few weeks ago, he was outstanding in that game. And, yeah, there's, there's there's nobody who's had a bad season really. Um, Ruben Diaz is is really important for us. He's been out injured for for a few weeks, and, and John Stones and Imeric Laporte have been playing really well in his absence. Xiao Cancelo has been really good. Kyle Walker's really good when he's not getting stupid red cards for no reason. Who uh, are the leaders in the city side as well? In terms of sort of, I mean, it's, it's it's hard to compare them with with some of the figures from the past because they're mm. so well established. But I mean, who? Who have you seen, even even if they've not got the armband, who you think is you can see other players looking to like in difficult moments? Yeah, well, it's interesting. I mean, Fernandinho is the captain, but he, he barely plays. So uh, the, the the sort of de facto captain is, is Gundogan, and he's a player oh, yeah. who uh, yeah he, he he kind of comes in and out of the team, but. I always feel a lot more confident when he's on the pitch. I feel a lot calmer. He brings a calming presence and a, mm. a lot of experience and a, a bit like Thiago for you guys. I think he's, sure. he's that sort of slows things down and, and uh, t- encourages people to kind of keep their heads when they might be losing them and that kind of thing. And then I think next on the list for the captaincy is, is Diaz and he's a, he's a big leader. You know, he, he, he came in really settled really well in the Premier League last season really quickly and, and has just been almost like Vincent Kompany-esque for us, really. It's been that level of, of performance and, and leadership. And then, and then I think you would say De Bruyne is next on the list, but it's, it's kind of interesting. I think a lot of teams have this kind of like a little group of captains um, where there's, you know, three or four of them who, who, are, who are in this little group and they're, yeah. they're the leadership team. And, and, and De Bruyne, he, he was last season the kind of vice captain and he seems to have slipped down the pecking order a little bit now, which is interesting. And, and Gundogan seems to have taken taken that role and, and uh, and Diaz as well. So I'd say I'd say it's those two mainly, Gundogan and Diaz, with with Fernandinho being the the actual captain who who sorts everything out in the dressing room, but doesn't play an awful lot anymore. Yeah, it's interesting that one because yeah, I think with Liverpool it was, it was always I mean Henderson's had the captaincy for a long time, but I think very mm. frequently you look on the pitch and it's 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 hard to look past you know, Van Dijk at, at times because he's mm. just. Especially now, I think in, in a similar way to De Bruyne, you can sort of see some of these players who you, you can see have maybe gotten over whatever sort of residual injuries they've had or 
anxiety about an injury or whatever it might be. But there, there were definitely points at the start of the season where you could see there are a couple of types of movements that Van Dyke was sort of struggling with a little bit. And I think Griezmann, mm-hmm. Griezmann um, had a lot of fun with those um, <laughs> during some of the early stage group games in the Champions yeah. League. But, um, but yeah, I can't remember exactly when it was, maybe about four or five weeks ago that you could just tell a switch had been flicked and and he was back basically to sort of the way in which he'd, he'd been before and yeah I, I think from that point you can just see you can just see all these players looking and there's was, there was this great video of uh of Luis Diaz when he signed as well and he was, he was making his way around the ground and I think he, he, he just meets Virgil or whatever he's like oh yeah. this, this man's massive he's huge <laughs> <laughs> and the coaches are like yeah no he is <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. that's what it's like so I think even just by being physically imposing like Diaz is for example that's uh, at times, you, you you probably carried that authority, but yeah, interesting what you mentioned there around Gundogan and some of the yeah the comparison with with Thiago, and they're both obviously yeah very fun players to just watch on the ball mm-hmm. and and off the ball anyway. But um, one you mentioned there in 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 Foden that we'd already talked about uh, his increasing influence on the side, and because he's probably even worth talking about the game last night as well, and in, mm-hmm. in, in you know you knew. You knew what you were going to get when you when you when you drew out Atletico Madrid, um, uh, sort of maybe couldn't have predicted just how cynical they would be at times. But um, yeah, how how was the game last last night? Um, and uh, I'm led to believe that Phil Foden really asserted himself in that game and was obviously instrumental in you eventually eventually getting that breakthrough. But um, yeah, just talk a bit about that game, Phil Foden, and, and then I, I suppose how how his role is 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 evolving and f- for City this season. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, it, it was a, a very odd game in that um, not not unexpectedly that Atletico came to to part the bus basically and and a grind out a, a result. And mm. I think even a one 0 defeat is probably not too bad from their point no, of view, no. really. But they've had uh, they. Basically offered nothing, but Guardiola described it as a five-five formation <laughs> in the post-match press conference, and that was basically it. And I, I saw some quotes from De Bruyne before before we started recording, actually, where he was saying that uh, it was like playing, it was like a handball game where you have to like go around. You can't go straight through the middle of the defense. You always have to go around, and yeah, just that, that it was one of the the most sort of intense low blocks I've ever seen. And City dominated the ball. I think they had over 70 percent possession. Um, didn't create an awful lot um, and were struggling to create things until Foden came on in the second half. And it was quite interesting that he started a game on the bench. And I think it was probably because Guardiola wanted to keep him a bit fresh for the game at the weekend. And I think it was also because um, now and again, he tries to get Bernardo Silva, Gundogan and De Bruyne into the same team and it doesn't work brilliantly well and it means having to sacrifice one of the forward players and, and usually playing Bernardo as the false nine, which doesn't suit him brilliantly as far as I'm concerned uh, so that meant that, that that Foden started on the bench and what, as, as the sort of second half ticked on I was thinking we're not going to get a goal here we need we need a bit of fresh impetus from the bench get Foden on he puts Foden on within 80 seconds he's assisted the goal and we're 1-0 up and then he he, he had a, a couple of other really nice runs into the box you know he's just like kind of youthful enthusiasm to, to take players on and you know so he's got such quick feet such incredible uh, awareness of, of space and, and where people are and um, an incredible intelligence to, to create chances and, and drive into the box like that and that, that was what we were missing in that game last night and and that's what he brings and, and that's why you know if I was the manager he'd be one of the first names on the team sheet for me every week I think he's absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic and it's getting better and better And you know, So he is a forward though in, in, in terms of his role at the, at the moment you, 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 his best position would be what out on the left hand side would you say? Yeah I don't know it's weird because he, he plays often down the middle nowadays and again it, it's about trying to get the, the forward line balanced in that Riyad Mahrez pretty much always plays on the right um, yeah. and and then it, it's it's a bit of a toss up between who plays centrally and who plays on the left at the moment it seems to be Sterling or Grealish will occupy that left position and Foden plays down the middle for me personally I think he, he is a, a very very dynamic winger and I'll be interested to see what he would do against a defender like Trent Alexander-Arnold, who, who you know has, has got got pace and power himself, and would certainly be a bit better at dealing with him than I think James Milner would. So I'd be interested <laughs> to see Foden come up against a, a proper solid right back like that and see what he can do. Um, but I suspect he will probably play down the middle this weekend. Interesting. Um, okay. And he did that against United a few weeks ago, and or United are, are trash at the moment, and and. But he, he really was pulling their defence all over the place, dropping deep and creating space for others. So. 
he could do a bit of everything really he's just a fantastic player he could even play a bit deeper you see him play for England sometimes he's played a bit of a deep line playmaker he's got a bit of that as well so he's just a fantastic player we're so so lucky that our academy has produced this player because I think he's probably going to be it will, it will go down in history as one of the best players to ever come through the, the City Youth setup. that's for sure yeah, and no, I think it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting battle between those two as well. I think um, him and Trent, I think, would both be described as sort of generational talents um, yeah. from, from from both academies. And um, yeah, I mean, so yes, yeah, some of the stuff, I mean, I, I'm sure it's very similar with Foden, to be honest, but um, because I felt the same way when, I, when I've watched him as a rival fan. But there's yeah, there were, there were some points last night as well with Trent where just some of the stuff he was doing was absolutely ridiculous from yeah. from right back. So it's yeah, it's going to be... a, a Really fascinating contest and the, as well. The cliche about Trent as well is that he can't defend. Isn't no, it? yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's I mean, rubbish. I remember we we played you in the um, in the Champions League when you knocked us out a few years ago, and I remember seeing Leroy Sané in the team for us up against. Oh, him. Yeah. He, he's going to have a field day against Trent today, and Trent Alexander Arnold had him in his pocket the whole game. I think so. Yeah, he can't, he can't defend. It's it's nonsense. That isn't. It? I think it's I think it's just interesting that I think people some, probably forget um, that I mean one that he's so young, but then also that he's. He's pretty much played everybody um, at this stage in his career in terms of some of the, the top sides and going to the Champions League. So there have been plenty of games where if he was rubbish at defending, he he, he people would have established that yeah. in in a very emphatic way because he's played against nearly all of the the players who could terrorize a right back in those positions. And yeah, I think I think early days there were definitely some moments where he was getting used to hang on you want me to play how aggressively uh, mm-hmm. and then he's sort of got adjusted to that looks like he's been looks like he's more uh, sort of physically stronger than he was um and so, so a bit more capable of dealing with that mm-hmm. stuff i think i i, I, I would definitely i wouldn't try and hide that this um this knock he picked up ahead of international duty was it was a, a classic you know alex ferguson mm-hmm. style oh yeah <laughs> sorry he's picked up that is he's, yeah. he's absolutely fine I, I don't i don't believe there was anything wrong with him at all, to be honest, I think he just had a had a rest. But um, yeah, I've got I've got no issues with with us doing that. But uh, in in terms of looking at the season, I mean, I've been asking everybody who's been come on actually just to if they were looking at their side and how the season's gone, and obviously it's gone really well for City. Are, are there games throughout the season that you that you would that you would pick out and go, that's a really good example of how this City side has evolved throughout the season, and and that was a good uh, a good example of when everything clicks. Um, and is there, I mean, I suppose the other, the only examples we can give are when it doesn't click is the Tottenham game or the mm. Palace game more recently where it's just, just that, that finishing touch. But, um, yeah, if you had to pick two, um, that sort of sum it up, which ones would they be? I reckon probably the Chelsea away game in September, really early, oh, yeah, early yeah. in the season. That was just before we played Liverpool at Anfield. And I think, uh, I can't remember if I spoke to you before or after that last time. But, it was before, yeah. Yeah, but so so that was like a really daunting week for us where we had Chelsea away, PSG away and Liverpool away, uh, three games in succession mm, in the space of a few yeah. days. And yeah, the Chelsea game, I, I went into that thinking... You know, not not feeling particularly confident. Um, we'd, we'd drawn at home to Southampton uh, the game before that, nil nil draw at home. weren't in terrific form, and I was thinking this is this is kind of a make or break game for for our season. This is how this is going to define the rest of the season today. You know, obviously Chelsea had beaten us in the the Champions League final, the FA Cup semi final, and the league the previous season. So it was almost a bit like as Tuchel got Pep's number here. Is this going to be a problem for us going forward? And we went to Stamford Bridge and were absolutely superb from first whistle to last. We dominated the ball. We were pressing them right onto the edge of their own area. They they couldn't get out. They couldn't get the ball. We won one nil. It probably should have been three or four nil um, on the balance of play. And it was just a superb performance that made me think, bloody hell, we're actually a really good team here. And we, we might have a good season after all. You know, my, my doubts were, a lot of them were kind of assuaged that day. And then, you know, we followed up with a defeat against PSG and a draw at Liverpool, but um, that was the, that was the moment that I really I realised that that actually we we were, you know, producing something special and and it could be a, it could be a special season. Um, that Spurs game is probably an example of of things going going pretty badly wrong for us. I don't think we were, we were that bad that day, but you can often tell with City within about four or five minutes of the game how it's going to go, and you could just tell that there was just something a little bit off about them that day. They went. Uh, a goal down pretty early on uh, after a few minutes Ruben Diaz making a bit of an uncharacteristic error um, and then got back into the game made it 1-1 and you think okay we'll kick on a win here with with, with a better team and then to let Spurs go 2-1 up almost 3-1 up um, win off a VAR and 
just we just looked pretty shambolic defend- defensively, really. And at that point in the season, it wasn't really there was no real pressure on us as there is at this moment in time. It still felt like we were kind of coasting towards the end of the season. You know, we'd beaten Chelsea at home a few weeks previously, and and we're looking really good uh, for the title. Still have a, still a pretty healthy lead, and that was the moment where I thought actually maybe this this the end of the season is is going to be more of a struggle than than we think. And yeah, to 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 equalise late on uh, like we did, and then still lose the game was was really frustrating. Um, so yeah, it's it's been a mostly mostly good season, but there have been a few concerning moments like that where, and like you said earlier, that that was a, a great example of a lot of the times when we've had setbacks this season. People have said, "Oh, if only we had a striker, it would have been different." And yeah. it's easy to sort of hone in on on bad results like that and say things like that. But when you zoom out on the whole season and see that we're we're still top of the league, we've 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 scored quite a lot of goals. We've got seventy goals in in the Premier League this season. It's not been too bad. Yeah, it's not been a bad one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's been. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can't have too many complaints. Um, I mean, I, I imagine. I mean, at the same time, where people are pointing out, you know, oh, this would be different if there was a striker there. Oh, this shows you what a striker gives you and things like that. I, I suppose at the same time, uh, you know, attention gets turned to to Jack Grealish at, at those points as well. But given the money that was spent on him and the fact that he's come in and um, under so much attention, so much focus. Uh, I mean. Yeah, even before signing those Gucci deals, you know, he's, he's, he's already he's already getting plenty of attention. Um, how have you, how have you found him this season in terms of uh, what you knew of him before he joined, sort of how he's how he's adapted to what he's being asked to do by Guardiola, and, and what is he being asked to do um, by Guardiola? Would you say that he's you know, he's he's satisfying sort of those expectations of the manager in, in terms of his role? In the side, and uh, I mean, we can we can put the money to one side for a minute. I think that's mm. that's obviously not his fault. But um, yeah, I'm just interested in what uh, what you make of of the signing and 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 uh, how well he's doing the job he's being uh, he's been asked to do. Yeah, he's been okay. He's been okay, I would say, which is for you know 100 billion pounds. Yeah, there's, no, yeah. there's no getting away from it. You there isn't it's better, no. better than okay, wouldn't you? And what is kind of reassuring to me is that there is a bit of a pattern of players taking a bit of time to settle into Guardiola's teams you know what's expected of you it's it's quite different to what a lot of players will have experienced before certainly different to what Grealish was was experiencing playing for Aston Villa and it's taken him a bit of time and he ha- he has shown some very encouraging sides and had, had had some good games he's never really had any terrible games he's just been okay and People are getting on his back because of the price tag, which is to be expected. And even City fans are starting to think, well, why do we spend 100 billion on this guy and not 150 million on Harry Kane, for example? We needed a striker more than we needed Grealish. Why did we do that? A lot of people have been asking those questions. I think if he's still just okay next season, then it might be time to worry. But, you know, Riyad Mahrez took a long time to settle under, under Pep. His first season was very underwhelming as well. And his second season, he, he really kicked on and, and was really good and, and has been one of our best players this season. So I'm hoping and half expecting that Grealish will be an awful lot better next season and it's not a big concern of ours really that it, that he hasn't truly set the world alight yet um, in terms of what he's been asked to do that's kind of different to what he's done before he's, he's playing in a slightly different position I remember when we signed him there was some talk that he would sign he was signed to kind of partner De Bruyne in those kind of two number eight positions right um, okay. and he's, he's not played in that position once for us so far he's either played uh, out on the left which he can be a little bit predictable. He's cutting in onto his right foot all the time. Defenders can can read him quite easily. Um, he's not got that kind of uh, ton of pace really that that enables him to to burst past players and and take players on. So often he sem- he tends to slow things down a little bit, which can be a little bit frustrating. That's something I think he'll just get a little bit sharper at, at knowing you know how many touches he needs to take. He's probably taken a few too many touches sometimes, and he'll uh, he'll form a, a greater understanding with the players around him. I would personally prefer to see him playing uh, as the false nine a little bit more. I think that suits him a little bit better, suits his game a little bit better. And then you that that opens up the the left flank for for Foden or Sterling players who do have that pace to take players on and and offer us a bit more width. So I don't think Guardiola has truly worked out what he what he wants to do with Grealish yet. He has been very complimentary to him whenever he's been asked about him, but Pep can be very disingenuous about those things. He never really says what he's truly thinking in press conferences and and interviews and. I'd imagine that he's he's probably quietly confident that Grealish is going to go on to to be a great player for us. But at this moment in time, it's there is a bit of a question mark about him, and I certainly don't see us selling him anytime soon. I imagine we'll yeah. you know a couple more years to to try and fulfil his potential, and 
and I'm sure it's commercial uh, the revenue that he's bringing in off the off the pitches is, is oh, yeah. the, the club's like accountants and, and that kind of stuff but yeah he's been okay that's all I would say about him so far yeah that was my impression as well that yeah I I couldn't think of games where he's been he's been bad per se it was just that yeah you're you're always thinking of um, I guess yeah what you're expecting for an outlay like that and uh, yeah also in a position where as you say there's a couple of players who could probably play in maybe his favoured his natural position mm. and um, yeah and it's just it was just a slightly weird signing but um, yeah no, I, I'm interested to see how he does it. and yeah you're right to draw some comparisons there there were some players here who, who took a bit of time to settle in and Liverpool mm. have had some sort of similar Similar signings to that, that they haven't all, they've definitely not all worked. The, the, the way in which, um, Luis Diaz has of late, which is mm. sort of a hilarious thing that he can barely speak English and yet seems <laughs> to be completely on board with what's going on. Uh, and, um, I have no, no idea how he communicates with Robbo, but, uh, yeah. it, it, it seems to be the best connection he's got on the entire pitch. So something they're doing must be working for sure. Um, so I mean, in, in terms of, I mean, Guardiola, I mean, you mentioned it there and I was thinking about that, uh, I can't remember if it was this season or last season, but that, you know, that interview that he did where he answers, um, more than you can believe, you know, more than you can, believe. I, I, I both, um, find it funny and also like I, I thoroughly enjoy it at times actually that he can, can be a little bit, <laughs> can be a little bit petty, a bit disingenuous, as you mentioned, uh, in, in terms of how, how he's done this season, I think it's an interesting question around, I think people looked at Guardiola and went, well, you know, you, you're going beyond this certain time frame at a club. How are you going to evolve things? It's a, it's a different kind of task. You know, I haven't necessarily seen him in this, in, in this, in this role at the, for this duration of time and, and, um, you know, effectively rebuilding aside the way in which he has done. I mean, how, how have you found him this season as well in terms of, um, Almost his, his comfort level in the job is, is his comfort level in the league. He seems more comfortable than ever in terms of sort of handling the sort of stuff that usually gets thrown his way. Um, I'm sure I'd seen stuff already about overthinking it in the Champions League and him, <laughs> him, him, him batting those questions away and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, how have you, how have you found him this season? Well, it's always funny that overthinking thing. That got asked to him before the, did, right? the Atletico Madrid <laughs> game and he gave, a, he gave a pretty funny answer to it. And it's funny because he is obviously pretty aware of what people say about him. He's not one of these managers who, who has no idea what's going on. Yeah, he's that like classic he, one similar to Klopp where they go like, oh, I'm not on Twitter. I mean, they, yeah. They've both definitely got a burner account somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he, he, he called himself Fraudiola in the past, so the fact <laughs> that, that nickname exists. He's there. Says he's it all, really, doesn't it? So, so yeah, I mean, obviously delighted with, with Pep. He's, he's, he's been brilliant for the club and there was a point... Uh, towards the beginning of last season when he signed his new contract and we weren't playing well at all. You know, we were, we were, we were really struggling. We were seventh or eighth in the table at, at, at around November time last year. And, and it looked like it was kind of petering out. Like we'd maybe sort of, the relationship had run its course a little bit and, and the players weren't really buying into what he wanted to do anymore. He didn't seem too happy. I think he's another one who the pandemic really affected him. And, you know, uh, it, it was, he was quite a bit of a, a downbeat demeanor at times. And then it all, it all turned around last season. We went on to win the league and everything's rosy in the garden again now, really. And uh, he's got, I think, one more year after this one uh, on his contract. And there's some talk that he, he might be tempted to, to sign on again. And that would be great if it did happen. I don't think there's a single City fan in the world who would want to see him see him leave anytime soon. Um, you do wonder how long he can sustain this for, how long he can keep motivating the players and himself. Uh, but I think that the conditions that he's got at City are better than he would get at any club in the world. The club was built for him to come in before he even joined. You know, for, for years they were preparing the groundwork for him to come yeah, in. Tixie and stuff. Yeah, yeah he, he he can snap his fingers and get whatever he wants. Basically, you know, money's no object. They've they've built the training ground up for him. They've hired whoever he wants and. He's got the, the staff working closely for him. I think he's pretty happy with his life in Manchester nowadays. So everything's everything's going great. And if he can uh, if he can finally win us the Champions League, then that will get a few people off his back, I think, because that's the the one the one glaring error, uh, the one blot on his copybook of his time at City is that he's not won that. And some people would say that that was the the one trophy that he was he was brought in to, to deliver to City. I don't wholly subscribe to that myself. I, I think he was brought in to win trophies and he's done that and been very successful and, and, and built an incredible team, you know, not on a shooting budget. Like no, no one's, no one's uh, pretended otherwise, but 
I think a lot of City fans would say that we've we've had money in the past with with other managers and and they haven't got us playing like we are playing and, and winning trophies in the way that we have won stuff. So I think you'd have to say he's done he's done an incredible job and I hope this season ends successfully for him again and and we 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 win uh, at least one of the big trophies and uh, and then buy him some new players in the summer and see what he can do next season. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's Champions League and 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 and. and anything to do with the Champions League is usually when you see the uh, the hashtag Fraudiola sort of um, bounding about depending on sort of what's happened and um, yeah I've been in some very weird um, what, what do you call them Twitter spaces uh, in oh, the yeah. past to, in case you just go in to listen and you just like there are some, <laughs> some there are some wild folk out there and you're just like I've, I've, I've done well to you know curate the timeline to the to to the way in which I have done because I don't I don't see half of these um, half of these loonies on whether it be Liverpool side or whether it be City side on the best of times. But in terms of the game itself, I mean, I was just looking at some some uh, sort of pro- promo pieces ahead of it and uh, people talking about the fact that, that these two sides have been so evenly matched. They've put, they, they've pushed each other on and who who knows how, you know, just how successful both would have been um, without the other, you know, in terms of sort of really pushing for every point possible, keeping those standards high if it's, 337 points since the 2018-19 season for <laughs> Liverpool, 338 for Man City. So that they really are Ridiculous. just like yeah. neck and neck. And I think um, for a lot of sides, um, I'm sure a lot of tribalism doesn't allow people to, to say it, but I think, yeah, these two are um, pretty much all-time Premier League greats in terms of what what they're doing, um, which, of course, makes Sunday uh, yeah very, <laughs> very exciting. Uh, maybe sort of like um, slightly makes you want to throw up a little bit. Uh, <laughs> but it, it, in terms of I can think of clashes in the past, and I, I often think of that one, I think it's probably the last season where I thought Bernardo Silva was your best player. Mm-hmm. And we went to the Etihad, and um, I think it was that Sane goal at the end, maybe that won things. I can't, I can't remember what. Yeah. It was one. It was one where the ball was nearly millimeters over the line for Liverpool yeah, as yeah. well, and um, that was one of the most breathless games of football I've, I've ever watched. Actually, between between two sides, and I'm I'm almost expecting a similar thing this this weekend. To be honest, because I it seems as though they're both both pretty full strength, and um, they're both in great form. They're coming off good wins, um, maybe yours against Atletico, more of a tiring encounter given sort of what they what they ask of you. Uh, I, I, the question then, I mean, you've—I think you've said in the past to me that you don't always know what Guardiola is going to do ahead of games mm-hmm. like this. Um, but I feel like you maybe do more than more than usual this time round. I mean, how, how would you expect him to to approach this game um, against Liverpool, coming to the Etihad, knowing what's at stake? Yeah, that, the, the obvious comparison is that one in, in 2018-19 yeah. uh, that you mentioned. Just and a slugfest. It feels fest, like it yeah. is going to be a bit, a bit like that again, yeah. I don't see it being much of a tactical battle this game at the weekend. Hmm. I, mean, I, I find it difficult to make any prediction about it, to be honest, because it could anything could happen. City could yeah. win 4-0, Liverpool could win 4-0, it could be 0-0. I wouldn't like to call it at all. It's it's two teams at the the peak of their powers, um, two incredible teams, two the best two teams in the world, aren't they? There's no getting around that. I don't think yeah, they are, yeah. they are, and it's just going to come down to who is better on the day, really. And all that I think City fans ask going into these games is that Guardiola doesn't do anything stupid, really. You know, everyone is still very sore about his decision in the Champions League final to not play a holding midfield player, yeah, and play play Ilkay Gundogan there, and. You know that might have worked. It might have come off some of these 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 weird brainwaves he have. Now, now and again they come off, and he's praised as a genius. But you just kind of think when the stakes are so high, let's just kind of stick to what we know. Mm. And I'd like to think I can pick the City team now and say this is this is our best eleven at this moment in time. Yeah. This is the team we should play. But then I'll get to the ground on on Sunday, and he, <laughs> he's he's got Edison in midfield or something. You just don't know with Pep. So <laughs> it's it's yeah, it's going to be a it's going to be a fantastic game. Um, I hope so anyway. Uh, I hope it doesn't boil down to a, a bit of a war of attrition because, mm. I mean, a, a draw would suit City quite nicely. I'd be quite happy with a draw. It means the title's still in our hands yeah. if, if that happens. But that then assumes that we would go and win every game, which I don't think is, is a surety by any means. And I, I don't think it is for Liverpool either. I think I can see... I, I don't know if both teams are as good as they were in 2018-19 where they both went on those incredible winning runs at the end of the season. Mm. I feel like they're, they're both a little bit more fragile and a little bit more vulnerable than they were back then. And I've watched Liverpool with a keen eye in recent weeks and I've seen you giving away some big chances to, to, to lesser opposition. You know, even Nottingham Forest in the FA Cup a few weeks ago had a big chance. And yep. I kind of think, are City going to be able to exploit those weaknesses a little bit? But obviously we've got weaknesses too. And 
if anyone is going to going to exploit those, you, you fear that it's going to be Liverpool. And you know, I'm looking at Mo Salah, the fact he's not scored since the end of February from open play now, thinking, well, that's got to end soon. <laughs> that's not going to go on forever, is it? So he's he's going to he's going to be one to watch this weekend for us definitely. Um, but you know, you've got quality in every department, world class player in every position, as have City. So it's going to be. It's going to be a slugfest. I think, like you said, I don't think it's going to be very tactical. It's just going to be two teams going hell for leather. Hopefully, it'll be a, a great game for the neutral. It's going to be horrible ninety minutes for us, probably. No, that's a nasty um, <laughs> but you know, this is this is what you get into football yeah. for. It's these games. You don't, you know, if, if every if every trophy win was a was a stroll, or you know, there weren't these these big clashes to, to get get your teeth into, then it'd be quite boring. So yeah, exactly. Just got to, like I said at the beginning, we've got to embrace the chaos. Yeah, I was speaking to some some Liverpool fans at the start of this month, and in, in the I mean, we're in the start of this month, but um, just ahead of it, into the sort of the oh, that, oh, this month look, looks difficult. You know, it's really jam packed. There's always get all these games. It's, it's going to be tough. That, yeah, that's the whole point. The, 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 yeah. whole, the whole point is to work to get into a situation where yeah. you could potentially win. You, know, you can win it all, or you can lose it all, and. Yeah. Um, and you're you, you, you're in with a chance, and it's interesting. You say obviously you can never tell necessarily what he's gonna what he's gonna do, Guardiola. And there has been those previous uh, moments you mentioned with uh, yeah Gundogan in the Champions League final, Rodri not being there. And um, for me anyway, for example, I mean looking at this game, I, think I already talked about it, but yeah, for me for for months, I, the, the 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 key thing I've been focused on is I sort of assume the back four will be there. Hopefully they'll be there. Touchwood and nothing happens. Um, I assume some variation in the front three will be there. And it's sort of weird that we've gotten to a stage now where actually a variation on it, any variation on it, um, mm. I I could live with. I, I I could I could see the original three coming in for this game because they think you know, Firmino will drop back and uh, make a nuisance of himself. I could see Jota, you know, given how he's played, coming into it. I could see Diaz, given how he was. Um, although, given he got the entirety of the game last night, maybe that's less less likely. But for me, it's been yeah, Thiago and Fab. If, if those two can be fit and they can play, that for me has been the interesting thing of like, how will they deal with a midfield as strong as as City's because they are probably our two most talented um, most talented midfielders. If you were looking at a a section of the pitch as well, it sounds like Foden's probably going to be one of those players already. Mm. Um, would, would there be a pair that you go? Okay, these two just have as long as these two, and and, and we, we don't we don't mess around with this area of the pitch. We should be uh, it should be a good game. I mean, I say that I could pick the team now, but I'm starting to have doubts myself actually thinking about it because it's something I touched on earlier that he Guardiola has this bit of a problem at the moment where he's, he's trying to get De Bruyne, Bernardo, and and Gundogan into the same team, and it's not mm, really working. Yeah. And for me, he's got to pick two of those three players this weekend, and I would probably say that I would like it to be De Bruyne and Gundogan maybe a Bernardo on the bench and, and we can bring him on if if needs be if if something needs to change um but who knows what Pep will go with he might go with a, a similar lineup to what he did against Atletico where he gets them all in the in the same team and that means that maybe Sterling starts on the bench um I would imagine after his impact uh on on the on Tuesday night that Foden will start mm-hmm. and uh I'm, I'm sure he'd be well up for the game and I'd like to see Mara starting as well Defensively, there's a bit of a question mark over whether Ruben Diaz is going to be fit. I think he's probably not going to be fit, so I think it's probably going to be Stones and Laporte at centre back, which, which is a good partnership, but not perfect. They are a little bit Laporte in particular is a very good player, but he's a little bit error prone sometimes, and I do worry mm. about how they would cope with with Liverpool's forward line. You know, I could imagine Jota find a little bit of space in between them. We, we played Southampton in the FA Cup and won four one the other week, but it was a scoreline that really flattered us and. We gave quite a few chances away to Southampton that game that, that concerned me a little bit. Uh, the fullbacks picked themselves really because there's only there's only really two. Uh, yeah, you players. mentioned yeah. Yeah, it'll, it'll be Cancelo left back and Walker right back. Walker was suspended against Atletico, so he'll be fresh for this one, which is oh, great. Which is good. Yeah. But... <laughs> Walker doing shuttle runs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah, it, there are there are a couple of areas that that I'm not totally sure what he's going to do, but for the most part, this starting eleven is is almost set in stone at this point okay and and last question before before we wrap the, uh, things up I and mean, what's, what, what's your favorite uh memory from from this fiction i suppose <laughs> and uh, it could be the etihad one or it could be the i mean yeah i know it's, it's not been a particularly as you mentioned it's okay. probably it's probably that one in, in 1819 because yeah. it was an incredible game i think people you know non-sitting liverpool fans cite that as one of the best premier league games there has ever been in terms of technical quality and two teams going at it you know there was drama there was that goal line clearance there was us taking the lead and then Liverpool equalising and then 
uh, City going back in front and Liverpool nearly equalising at the end. <laughs> and obviously that, that turned the title race around as well because that was a real six point to that game. If Liverpool had won that, I think you would have pulled away and won the league that year. Yeah. We won it and were able to reel you back in and you know, the atmosphere at the Etihad isn't often brilliant. I'll I'll be the first to admit that, but it was that night. It was absolutely superb and, and really loud and, and really passionate. So uh, I'm expecting expecting the same this weekend. Um prior to that I would say in terms of Anfield games, um as I mentioned earlier, I don't really count the the the, the four one we got there last season because uh, I appreciate that. Yeah. I really would have beat you in front of your fans <laughs> really someday. And, and the last time we did that was uh, was two thousand three with Nicholas and Elka scoring the winning goal. So wow, it's, was it? it's been a long time coming. Yeah, so yeah. we've not had uh, we've not had many happy days at Anfield. That's for sure. No, I was I, I was I, that was the one saving grace uh, of just how um, yeah God we looked we did not uh, it was not fun <laughs> not a fun not a fun thing and it, it was even even the one beforehand you know I think when when we'd won the title and, and you beat us as well you, you could sort of excuse that because you're like oh well, yeah. they're all drunk or whatever but um, yeah. he, even though the manager came out I was like no absolutely they, they were focused they was like no come on <laughs> you could see some of the stuff that you saw Robertson do <laughs> in that yeah. game was evidence that he had been uh, yeah he'd been he, he, he'd been out on one I think but um, a bit too much but L- Liverpool's record at the Etihad is actually pretty poor isn't it Which it's pretty bad yeah, it's, yeah. Another, it's another thing that kind of makes me think well that can't go on forever like mm. the law of averages de- dictates that you probably do a win so that that's a bit of a fear of mine going into this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I will lean on those probability guys before 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 kick off. I'm sure that <laughs> somebody will come out and I'll go, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Just by the law of averages, it needs yeah. <laughs> needs to be. But I I think my yeah my overall thing is I'm I'm hoping that um yeah both sides fully fit they they can just go at it and um that uh, yeah, Mr Tierney Mr Taylor uh, please just keep yourself out of it <laughs> if you can yeah. um just yeah. Do, do the basics um, and and let us both enjoy it. But um, as always, yeah, Dan. Again, thank you very much for for coming on and giving us your your opinion and your insight on City this season. I think it's been as you, as you've described, like it's an in- interesting incarnation of City. This without feeling like it's necessarily the vintage City, but they could easily you know go and win nearly all of it uh, um, if everything clicks into gear for them so yeah I'm sure it's going to be a agonizing and uh, sort of exciting game this Sunday as well but yeah thank you very much for for coming on was, was there anything that you wanted to, to to plug before you do go I know you're sort of regularly on the blue moon um, yourself is there going to be a, I'm, I'm assuming there's going to be a, a bunch of previews before before the game this weekend as well uh, yeah, there is. Yeah, I'm not doing the, the podcast this week, but uh, but if you want to listen to the Blooming podcast, uh, you can do that. Uh, there was an interesting episode a couple of weeks ago with a, a very long chat, a little bit like this one with uh, with Neil Atkinson from the Anfield Rat. Ah, yeah. which I'm, I'm sure you know him well. Uh, so that's that's worth a, a listen. You could also follow me on Twitter. I'm at Fussball Dan on Twitter, and uh, yeah, that's it. Just to, just to finish, actually, I um I've got a, a colleague at work mm-hmm. uh, who's a Liverpool fan, Joel Sanderson Murray, and we we were chatting about the the end of the the season and the the uh, the expectations for both teams a few weeks ago, and we both shook hands on a deal that would see City winning the Premier League and the FA Cup this season, and Liverpool winning the Champions League and the Carabao Cup. Is that a deal that would that would suit you? Do you think, or, or do you want it all? Are you gonna I uh, no, I don't, I don't want it all by any stretch. I mean, <laughs> I think I'm, I'm I'm realistic, and I don't I don't think that's I think it'd be very difficult to do that, but um. No, for me, yeah, but people ask me this as well. For me, it would be the league, um, because, um, yeah, the, the fact that we weren't able to, to do it in front of fans, like you mentioned, in terms of like a, to, to have that moment, um, of catharsis is sort of a weird one in that, you know, I'm, I'm on the younger side anyway, but I'd, I'd never seen Liverpool win a title and, Mm. um, it meant a lot, but there, I feel like there, I'm sure there's a, a big afternoon or sort of evening of crying that I've not done that <laughs> that would um, sort of rear its head if it, yeah. if it did happen, and I, I'd quite like to get that uh, over and done with so I could just, just move on. Um, so I, I, I think it would probably be that. And I was due to go up to Liverpool with my dad and um, you know, spend the weekend there and you know, maybe see a parade that never happened and things like mm-hmm. that. So if if that was to happen, I've, I've got I've got all the tickets booked, everything's ready <laughs> um, for the last game of the season. So you know. Um, however it ends, I'm sure it'll be a, it's, it's, it's already been a great season anyway, but, um, yeah, if that, if that, if I could pick one, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd go for the league and uh, yeah, I'd yeah. give, I'd, I'd give City their, uh, their long elusive, uh, yeah, champion, <laughs> Champions League glory. 
Yeah, I mean, if it comes to that, I'll take that as well. And uh, yeah, you never know. Your old mate, Stephen Gerrard, might do you a favour at the Etihad on the final <laughs> day of the season because we've got Aston Villa at home the last game of the season. So, yeah, he, he, so there's he, some he, omens there, isn't there? We've got that rescheduled game against Villa as well. So yeah, he, he absolutely better know his, uh, his, <laughs> his 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 role as the rock would say, yeah, yeah. said many years ago. But um, <laughs> yeah, thank you so much again, Dan, for coming on. And um, j- just to all those listeners yeah, who've been tuning in to, to Rival Recon throughout the season, um, always good when we're doing this show that the games are relevant uh, and thanks to this <laughs> this side they, they, they're remaining relevant in the league um, this this time around again so it's uh, it's going to be very exciting running as I'm sure you, you're all well aware at this stage and yeah, games coming thick and fast and yeah there'll be a that uh, that return game against Benfica at Anfield on the 13th and then yeah there's the, the City game on the FA Cup uh, on the 16th and then yeah we'll, I'll be back um, for another episode ahead of that small little clash um, against I think uh, I think Dan described them as trash but I can't <laughs> can't remember to Manchester United um, on the on the 19th of April so yeah I'll I'll see you then but until then do do check out all the other great content on um, on Anfield Index Pro but otherwise yeah um, don't bite your nails too too much and uh, yeah we'll see you again ahead of United we hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.